My name is Kirby Ferguson, and welcome to Copy This, the podcast about copyright. The show is brought to you by the Recreate Coalition. What do Snow White, Frankenstein, Charles Darwin's Origin of Species, and the Bible all have in common? All these works can be freely copied, translated, adapted, and remixed. These works and countless others are in the public domain. A work can end up in the public domain because it was never subject to copyright law or because its copyright term has expired. Most works from before 1923 are no longer subject to copyright. The public domain is quite simply the history of human culture up to the last century or so. It is the sum of human experience and knowledge, and it is freely available for everyone to use in whatever way we like. This is how we entrust the work of past generations to future ones. But the public domain has been keeping a low profile for quite a while now, specifically since 1998, when the Copyright Term Extension Act extended the term of copyright by decades. This didn't just apply to new works, it was applied retroactively to works from as long ago as the 1920s. The act is derisively referred to as the Mickey Mouse Protection Act because it prevented the early Mickey Mouse films from entering the public domain. So the public domain has basically been frozen since then, but this deep freeze will soon come to an end. In 2019, some works from the 1920s will again start flowing into the public domain. Thousands of books, movies, and artworks will again be entering the public domain each year, unless there is another intervention. Here to discuss the public domain is James Boyle. James Boyle is William Neal Reynolds Professor of Law and co-founder of the Center for the Study of the Public Domain at Duke Law School. He is the author of The Public Domain and the co-author of the graphic novels Theft, A History of Music, and Bound by Law. Jamie, welcome to the show. It's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Jamie, what is the public domain? The public domain is the realm of content, ideas, facts, uh, expression that has passed out of copyright that you can use, that anyone can use, um, without permission, without fee, that you can use to make new songs, make new movies, that you can repurpose, that you can translate, that you can cheaply reprint. It is basically the realm of the free. Where is this realm? Where do we get these things? We get it from a number of uh, sources. If we think of this as kind of like a wetlands or a river or an ocean, uh, one way we get it is when things pass out of copyright. Moby Dick is no longer under copyright. It's in the public domain. So you can make your Moby Dick movie. You can do your Braille version of Moby Dick. You can do your low-cost, large print edition. You can customize it. Another source is stuff that was never under copyright in the first place. Copyright's a relatively recent invention. Shakespeare was never under copyright, neither was Mozart. Another source is stuff that we've deliberately decided should not be covered by copyright. So the ideas and facts in a book that you publish go immediately into the public domain. They are never covered by copyright. Every idea, every fact, those things are not owned. You can use them, build on them, learn from them, recombine them. And those are just some of the sources of the public domain. Why do you think the public domain is important? Well, I study creativity. And mm. creativity is incredibly complicated, but I'm an academic, so it's my job to make it at least slightly more comprehensible. So <laughs> mm -hmm. here's, a, here's a crude, crude model. Mm, great. You've got inputs and outputs, right? So you've got mm -hmm. stuff that you make your work out of. And then you've got the stuff that you create and you put out in the world. That's the output. Mm -hmm. 
it turns out that with most of, most of our creative work, we use prior creativity to make our new creativity. Now, I mean, if I say, hey, Kirby, make a chair, you don't generally make a chair by smashing up other chairs and taking the arms and legs and making a new chair. That's the point that Jessica Littman once made. Mm-hmm. But with a book or a song or a piece of computer code or, for that matter, some sort of innovative piece of bioengineering, you're probably building on stuff that other people have done. You're building on a theme. You're building on a genre. This is going to be a reggaeton song. This is going to use Unix code. This is going to use Linux. This is going to build on the theme of a car chase. This is going to use the sonnet form. You didn't come up with any of those things, but you need them, you need to have access to them in order to make your new stuff, which we want, because we want you to be creative. And that material, that raw material, the inputs, the public domain is a hugely important source of that material. And then the creator has outputs, and often he or she gets to uh, copyright it and control it, and I think that's a great thing. But the point is, you have to understand that the creator stands at a nexus between the public domain on the one hand and the realm of the controlled on the other. He or she needs control, yay, that's good, Mm -hmm. but he or she also needs raw material, and the public domain is vital for that. Do we still have new works entering the public domain, or is that stalled right now? That is stalled right now. It's not going to. It's not going to start again for a few years. Um, Congress has kept um, extending copyright. Um, it used to be, even in the 70s, a period which I actually lived through. Um, <laughs> it was only you got copyright for 28 years, and then if you renewed it, you had to choose. Mm-hmm. You got another 28 years, and about 90 percent of um, all work, or 85 percent of all works, 90 percent of some of some types of works did not review. Uh, renew, which gives you a really strong indication that people thought, okay, all 28 years was enough. Mm-hmm. But that way, you could you could assume that about 90% of stuff, 85, 90% of stuff would go into the public domain after 28 years, which is a re- incredibly short. Mm-hmm. Now, it's life plus 70. So you're a young fellow, and one hopes that you're going to last for another, you know, 50 years or so. And then 70 years after that, your work will enter the public domain. The cause of this, correct me if I'm wrong, is the Sonny Bono Act, right, from, uh, what was it, 98? 96. I mean, 96, yeah, 96, 96 okay. coming to effect in 98, yep. Right, yeah. Uh, so that basically stalled us for 20 years that or so? Stalled us. That stalled us. And I just want to be clear, um, the Sonny Bono Extension Act and the mm-hmm. one before that, which gave us Life Plus 50, mm-hmm. um, these conveyed benefits on a vanishingly small uh, portion of works, uh, a yes. tiny percentage, less than 5% um, of all works, and even smaller if one's looking at things like books. So it's as if we locked up our entire cultural heritage yeah. just to send um, a wheelbarrow full of cash to the Gershwins or the Hemingways or what have you. But it does appear that it's going to end, right? Like, it appears that in a few years, works will start entering the public domain again, right? Because if, uh, if if it was going to be extended again, that would have already happened, wouldn't it? Am, am I right in thinking that? Or it would already be in the works? You're an optimist, which <laughs> is a wonderful thing to be in this current political climate. Yes. Um, perhaps, um, I would say, um, 
in the past, betting against copyright term extension has always been wrong, but perhaps um, that would be, um, I, I think there has been more activism on the issue and more public education, and people are coming to be aware just what a cultural disaster this is as a policy. So I think it would be harder to do it again. Even if your optimistic prediction is true, though, we have effectively ruled most of the culture of the 20th century off limits. And this is the other thing, because copyright no longer requires formalities, everything, every movie, home movie that's taken, every po love poem or love letter, um, even most snapshots, these are all under copyright, even though their creators didn't know they are. We've also denied ourselves the entire realm of informal culture. So if you want to do a documentary on life in the segregated South and you find some Super 8 footage from back in the 50s taken by some African-American home movie maker, you can't use that because it's still under copyright and people will tell you, oh, you can't put that out and you won't get errors and emissions insurance. So the, the harm is a continuing one, even if the streams fueling the public domain start to flow again. What do you think could be done to better protect balanced copyright? Wow. Um, it would be good if we looked uh, for the first time ever at data about whether or not increasing <laughs> copyright protection actually incentivizes creativity. Right. To the extent we have, we have found that the evidence is extremely weak and often negative. That is to say, increasing copyright protection hurts it. So that'd be a good thing. Evidence. Imagine making policy based on data. Wouldn't that be fun? It would be good if people started to see that some of the ludicrous things they are told, you can't play this on this device. This is not, this feature is not allowed. You can't stream this even though you bought it. You can't exchange this book with another person even though you bought it. You can't get access to this movie from the 40s even though we don't know who the author was. If they start to stitch those together and go, wow, this is a single set of problems. It's not a lot of problems. It's a single set of problems, which if we had a focus on balanced copyright, we could possibly solve. What kind of impact do you think increased copyright restrictions would have on the internet? They could range from uh, minimal to bad to horrific. Mm -hmm. um, minimal, you know, if we extend copyright again, that's a dreadful idea. It screws up our culture. It means that creating access to um, all of the world's books becomes more difficult. But it doesn't affect the Internet other than to say this stuff's not on the Internet. Um, the bad and the horrific, though, are easy to describe. Unfortunately, the content companies, copyright owners, wanting legitimately to protect their rights, something that I support, frequently say, well, we have to break the technology that possibly allows any copyright violation. But of course, the internet is a copying technology. Everything about it, every piece of communication or reception, transmission, remix, is an act of copying. So if you want to control copying, you're trying to change the fundamental nature of the internet uh, to make it less anonymous, to make it uh, more uh, uh, controlled. And that, of course, is something that dictators love. Um, ironically, Bono of, of U2 suggested that we should base our copyright policy on China's use of the Great Firewall of China to stamp out dissent. Uh, he's like, if they can control the internet, we can too. So this great beacon of liberalism when it comes to every other human right, uh, when it comes to protecting songs, well, that's when we have to draw the line, right? I mean, it's one thing to protect the rights of, you know, neo-Nazis, but it's another thing if someone's um, downloading. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And so this indicates the massive double standard in terms of not understanding that regulating technology through copyright 
is going to lead to profoundly unintended consequences. Jamie, do you have any parting thoughts on the topic of public domain you would like to share with the viewers, listeners? I would ask only the following. Um, Here's a simple idea. Go to Amazon or your favorite bookseller. Search for two famous books, one of them before 1923, one of them after. And look how many versions of the famous book from before 1923 there are and how cheap they are. And then look how few versions of the famous one from after 1923 they are and how expensive they are. And that at least will give you an insight onto the benefits of the public domain. Fantastic. Jamie, thanks so much for being on the show. It was was a huge pleasure to have you. Hey, thank you, Kirby. I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We will see you next time with a brand new episode of Copy This.